Jeff Hathorne, Charlie Borges with you here on a Wednesday night on 93.7 The Fan. We'll take your thoughts on the Steelers at 412-928-9370. But, Charlie, in your update, you mentioned the Pitt Panthers. Uh, of, of all the things, you know, they had it rolling in that game. They were five of their first six from three. But there were a couple of missed opportunities. Like, there was a misplay here, misplay there, and you're like, man – I think at one point, I think their biggest lead was 10. You thought, oh, they need to get a little bit farther along. Like, their lead could have been bigger. And then it got cut to four at half. And you just had that feeling. But we've seen Pitt kind of hang tough on the road, bounce back when teams have made runs. And they did. They just couldn't make that key shot down the stretch. They couldn't hit that three down the stretch. And then that three to hit front rim off the backboard and in was a killer. So, Charlie, here's the net rankings for the Panthers now. And as much as, listen, Pitt was 47th in the net. And net is the big big thing the NCAA tournaments use now. And so you hear about these quad one wins and quad two wins. Where Pitt gets hurt is they only have three quad one wins and only two quad two wins. They're only guaranteed one more quad two game, and that is this Saturday at Boston College. There's a potential maybe NC State is a quad two game at home, and then Florida State, unless they just skyrocket, and they did beat NC State yesterday, unless they skyrocket up, that's going to be a quad three game, so that's not going to help. But it is a drop from 47 to 49. Not horribly. I mean, they had a team that was 24th in the net in Clemson. And you know that they don't think highly of the ACC, so you think, all right, Duke and Carolina, they're in, period. Most teams, because of the net being so high for Clemson, and Clemson, after beating Pitt, is at 43, or excuse me, is at 23 now. And they have nine combined wins that are quad win, quad one, and quad two. So Clemson's getting close to locked potential. And you remember, they say these things don't matter, but they do. Last year, Clemson got hosed. Clemson had 14 wins in the ACC. They beat NC State three times. And NC State went to the tournament with only 12 ACC wins. 14 for Clemson. And, yes, the three head-to-head wins by the Tigers. Those things factor when they're looking at the NCAA tournament this year. So I'm feeling good that Clemson's in. Wake's coming off a loss. Probably in. Maybe in. Virginia is now starting to slide to where they're a bubblish team because they're not playing as well down the stretch. Virginia, by the way, their net is 47, and Pitt is 49. So what are the teams around the Panthers? There's some interesting teams when you look at it. Pitt's 18 and 10. St. John's is 44th at 16 and 12. Also at 16 and 12 is Cincinnati. They're 45th. I mean, Clemson has, or excuse me, St. John's has three road wins this year. Pitt has six. Three. Cincinnati has four road wins. 
They only have three quad one wins, Cincinnati. And you get Drake, who, okay, maybe they win their tournament. South Carolina SEC, they've got 22 wins. They're 48th. At 50 is James Madison. All right, they need to win their tournament. Princeton, Ivy League, they got to win their tournament. They're 51. They have not even played a quad one game this year. Northwestern at 52. They're 19 and 8. Nine combined quad one and two wins. Utah. They had what? Was that Utah last night, the buzzer beater? Or was it Utah State? 16 and 11, Utah. They're 53rd. Providence, 18 and 9. It's the same number of wins. 54th. McNeese. And they're in the Southland Conference. I don't think they get in as, as an out at large. Same with San Francisco, although West Coast might get some love. San Francisco is 21 and 7. They have zero quad one wins. They're 56. 57 is AM. They're 15 and 12. Grand Canyon in the WAC. Yes, that is a school. 58th at 23 and 4. At 59 is Iowa. Iowa is 17 and 12. They have two quad one wins, fewer than Pitt. They're ranked a little behind, but you kind of get the feeling the Big Ten's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Then there's Virginia Tech at 15 and 13. Seton Hall, 18 wins at 61. Oregon, 18 wins at 62. Butler at 15 and 12 or 63. Now, here's number 64 in net rankings. And a big factor for the NCAA tournament. At 64 is Xavier, Sean Miller's team. Charlie, you know what the record is? Take a guess. With the way that you're posing the question, I think it's kind of a trick question. So I'm going to say like 13 and 15. You're very, very close. 13 and 14. And yet they're right on that. They're on that bubble. Bradley has 19 wins. Missouri Valley Conference. Ohio State fired their coach because they were so displeased with how the season is going. They're 66th at 16 and 12. Maryland, but again, Big Ten, 15 and 13. At 67. St. Bonaventure has 18 wins. They're 69th. And then you can go down the list. Here's one that, that could sneak up on people. Syracuse is 82nd. But they're also 18 and 10. And the problem for Pitt is they beat Pitt twice. You'd think that's a problem, at least. The one that, that gets me is this. So Clemson's 20 and 8. They've got all the quad. They've got five quad one wins, including the one last night. And there's Michigan State. I grant you, Michigan State schedule's hard. They're 17 and 11. Okay, you can make the argument to me that they belong in the NCAA tournament. They're 17 and 11. They're 24th in net. 24. Like ahead of some really good teams, they're twenty fourth in net. 
Jamie Dixon's team, by the way, TCU is 38th at 19-9. and And again, the Panthers are 49th, down two spots from yesterday after the loss at Clemson, a game that they led for a lot of it. Clemson took the lead in that second half, and it, if, if I don't have to see Ian Shifflin again, damn. That guy had 17 rebounds in the first matchup. Hit a big three towards the end of the game last night. And it's those those role players that just shoot you in the heart when you see those guys have big games. And Shifflin, who looks – have you ever met, by the way, Charlie, you ever met Kevin Gorman? I have not. From the Trib? No, I have not. I Very have not nice guy. Starkey calls him Gormy the Owl. I don't know why, but, you know, it's Joe. So we may never know why. Shifflin, if you can picture Shifflin's face, that is Kevin Gorman with a few more inches. It's crazy how much they look alike. Anyhow, uh, Panthers get at Boston College, chance for a quad two win. Then they're home to NC State and Florida State. And then you got to think at this point, if you can get those three wins, you're at 21 and 10. Still probably on the outside. You can get to the ACC at least semifinals because right now in the ACC standings, it looks like this. It's North Carolina at 14 and three, Duke at 12 and four, Virginia 11 and five, 11 and six. Clemson and Wake Forest are 10 and seven. Syracuse is 10 and eight. Pitt, NC State, Florida State are all nine and eight. So let's say it might be to their advantage to not be in that top four, which would be a not an impossible climb, but might be a tough climb to go over three different teams to get into that position. But to play an extra game, they need more resume wins. They need a, a nice draw, and then they need to beat a Duke or a Carolina in the ACC tournament. If they do that, given what – is thought of nationally of the ACC, I think that gives Pitt a chance at the NCAA tournament. Not saying that that locks them in, but it gives them a chance. They get to the semifinals having knocked off either Duke or Carolina. That gives them an opportunity to be in the conversation on Selection Sunday. They've got some work to do, but I don't think it's impossible. I mean, if you're talking about a 23 or 24 win team, I think that gives them an avenue to get into the NCAA tournament. Duquesne at one point was higher in the net than Pitt. Duquesne's taken on LaSalle. It's a close game, what, one-point game right now with the Dukes and Explorers. Duquesne feels like they could make a run in the A-10, but the problem with the A-10 is like, Dayton is really good. And you got to go through the Bonnies. And you got St. Bonaventure. And you got Loyola Chicago, who has 20 wins. Although they got their doors blown off by St. Bonaventure. Yeah, Loyola Chicago's in the A-10 now. When did that happen? Last year. You didn't notice because they had a bad year last year. But Sister Jean is in the A-10. I, I would love to see her at the Riley Center. Right? That oh. If I, was, she is, if I was still a student at St. Bonaventure and she showed up. So, by the way, I like we have family that works at Loyola. Loyola. Leslie and the kids have met sister Jean. they have a picture with sister Jean, and they're like she legit like loves basketball 
Like she's into basketball. It's not just. It's not for show. It's not just that they present her at the NCAA tournament. Like she is into it. But in the A-10, like you've got to go through those schools. And VCU is always good. I don't know what the record is right now. But Dayton is just, I mean, Duquesne would have to upset. Duquesne would have to win the A-10. Is it impossible? No. They would just need to have Day-Day Grant like play out of this world and them to have some other two other players just play out of their mind in the A-10 tournament. Have you ever been to the A-10 tournament? I think Pony's going next week. I have been to a A-10 tournament. I went uh, when they were at the Barclays Center. I think that's where they are this year, isn't it? It could be. Um, I went with a few friends of mine who went You didn't to... go when it was here. No. I went when it was in at the Barclays Center, and a couple of my friends from home, they're alumni of St. Joe's, and St. Joe's was playing. And they nice. said, hey, you went to St. Bonaventure nice. for a year. You want to see your old friends? I said, sure. Right. Well, it was just a few years ago when Rhode Island wanted here. Some guy named Hurley. I don't know whatever became of him. Did, is he doing any doing anything? Uh, that game? I don't know, but I know his dad no, was a was a big. He's doing okay for himself at UConn. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 pretty damn good, there. But I remember them them uh, them playing here. I was, I mean, those are fun. I mean, when I was when I was first starting, I covered the MAC tournament, and there's nothing like the emotion of a tournament game, of when a team season continues on with hope, and then one is crushed, and you got to get off the damn court because we got another game about to start. It's like these teams either just want to celebrate a little bit or they're just the enormity that everything they've worked for has ended, especially in a one-bid conference. And they kind of like walk off the court and they're like, come on, get off the court. We got another game that's going to start here. It's kind of like to- the, uh, the Whippy Old Championships at uh, Akershire. When I was there, watch one uh, couple – dozen in high school kids will live on in infamy in their school's history. And then you look across the field and it's nothing but crushed 15, 16 year old kids who just gave their blood, sweat and tears. And then you have the other teams behind them. Like, all right, stop crying. We have to warm up now. <laughs> and you're just, then you just feel bad for them. So that starts tomorrow at Whippeal championships at the Pete five o'clock is the first game. Paul Alexander will do the first two games over on KDK Radio. Um, I'm getting the opportunity to do the 9 o'clock game, which is Lincoln Park-Hampton, which Malik Thomas, Brandon Cummings. Cummings is the pit recruit. Thomas is the one wanted by everybody. And I mean every program in the country wants Thomas. Hampton's got this kid, uh, Peter Kramer, who's legit. Like He's 6'5". He's got guard skills but can drive. And they've got a 6'9 center. That's going to be a fun game. We've got all the games, and what's different this year is KDK has become the home of the WPIAL, as you're aware. Not just the boys, but girls' games, all of them, all 12. Our voice of high school basketball, Josh Roundtree, I'm going to give him a break 
just so he has a voice that he can continue, that by Saturday he still has something left. And Paul is doing the same thing on Thursday. So we hope you join us over on 100.1 FM and AM 1020 KDKA for all those games. Coming up next, we will get into the Steeler talk. Mark Cabali from The Athletic is going to join us from Indianapolis. Omar Khan is expected to talk tomorrow at Indy. We'll get his thoughts on that, on this NFLPA survey, what he's hearing quarterback-wise. All of that is next as we continue here on a Wednesday. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money. Larry Richard, once again, hosting the Feed the Need variety show to raise funds for our Giant Eagle Feed the Need Radiothon is coming up Friday at the Oaks Theater in Oakmont at 7.30. Performances from Kiki, the fan zone, Joe Starkey, Alista and Bubba, Mark Caballi. Tickets available, maybe not the last one. Tickets available now at 937thefan.com with all proceeds going to the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Mark, would you, uh, would you do a duet with Starkey? Uh, probably not. He would definitely take <laughs> over rather than that. So probably not. I thought I, I thought I was like a part of it there. What would what would your talent? I mean, do you play guitar or piano or sing? I mean, what would you do? No, maybe the national anthem. That's maybe the only song I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm. Uh, I don't think me and Starkey. I don't know, last time I was on with Starkey, he was. Uh, playing all this music coming in of the 70s, and he was shocked. And I'm like, I have no idea what these songs are, Joe. So I don't think we would, li- I don't think we would have the same taste in music. What do you make, and we've heard this in the past, released today, the Players Association ranked the Steelers mostly in a facilities type thing. They gave the Steelers, as far as family-friendly, an F-, which I didn't know was a grade, and ownership... <laughs> An ownership, an F. Uh, yeah. What do you make of all this? And what should make we much make of, of it? I don't make much of it at all because I don't even know. I, I'm thinking the ownership and the family atmosphere has to do with one thing and one thing alone, and that was having a, uh, you know, a place for the younger kids to go during game days. I mean, what are we talking about here at Acreshore Stadium? We're talking about daycare for what does it affect? six to eight players on the team and those six to eight players on the team probably already have a, you know, a suite of their own anyway. So that's kind of strange to me. And the ownership is definitely tied toward, you know, the facilities and willing to upgrade. I don't think there's a, I don't think you can criticize art for not willing to upgrade. I think it's just the whole point of being pretty much hamstrung landlocked into being able to upgrade anything worth anything. I mean, you've been in that locker room, that locker room's garbage compared to the rest of the NFL. I'm not going to deny that, but what are you going to do there? I mean, it's full to the brim. You can't move it anywhere. What are you going to do? You're you just going to put some paint on the walls and put a picture up or something? I mean, it's not like you're going to make it bigger and fancier. I mean, the issue is what the issue is. The issue is you can't have a major Division One college football program and a professional football team sharing the same location. And until that changes, you're not going to have the best of facilities right there. So I would like to know how many Steelers voted, too, to they be honest with you. They say 77% of 
roughly of of all the teams, that was the voting percentage of players. That's seventy seven percent from each team. That's that's a that's a lot. That's surprising. But how many of these team how many of these guys are been on the roster for more than two to three years and really well, know much about Art Rooney as well too. And I, I think I mean, you I think you bring up a good point about the footprint. Like they don't they don't they can't go into the river, they can't go into the railroad tracks, they can't yeah. go into the fields because you've got the businesses on the other side of the fields and you yeah. can't go the other way because you have the indoor facility and what precious little parking spots that you yeah. have. And you can't go vertically because I don't think it could support the weight being that close to the river from things that I've heard mm. about their facility. Um, and I and listen, Mark, when they opened that up, what was it, twenty some years ago? Yeah, there's they, nobody there. They they didn't have all the analytics, you know, offices, and they didn't have all the all the in house media that they have now. Like that didn't exist. Well, they did it. You know, they did add on to the back end of that. Uh, I did facility i mean not only the weight room but the back end of the indoor for some office space as well i mean but the thing is when they moved there 30 years ago there was hardly anything of anything was there i mean little did they know you go hindsight's 2020 but do you buy up that land now that was behind them with those other businesses behind them they would love to have that both Pitt and uh the Steelers would love to have that type of land but i mean it's too late now of course, one of them is a court, so that would be an interesting purchase. If you're able to, and imagine the some of the outcry if you moved a court for a football field, uh, that <laughs> that might be interesting. Now, listen, I, I think they could put, they could do what Pitt has done. They could put yeah, some more paint, stick, right? Yeah, you know, there are some things that they can do, and I, I think the daycare is is legit. It was brought up last year, and the Steelers mm-hmm. did nothing about it. Um, I think for families that they would like the option. They have little kids to not. You know, to be able to just watch the game and have an area because other teams do it. I think those are legit grievances. Yeah, I mean, possibly, but I don't know how much that really affects people and how much is that a a black eye on the ownership in itself. You got a guy who's has his office in the facility, a uh, billion dollar owner with his door open, who's not an absentee owner. I mean, you don't see that a lot in any sports whatsoever. I know a lot of people are now saying that Art's a worst owner in the city, but uh, does Bob Nutting have that same thing? And and please, please tell me who are the owners of the Pittsburgh Penguins? So there were, you talk about absentee owners. So I think it was a little unfair to say that Art is cheap and doesn't want to improve this team or anything to that matter. I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, not another thing they did there. Let's act like they not didn't do anything. I don't want to sit here and say that that place is perfect because it's not. It needs help. But they put a lot of money into that cafeteria and expanding it too over the past 10 years as well to help those guys out. And those guys have to – they get a B-minus. That poor chef. Oh, Kevin does cafeteria. a great job. He ha- they have to do both. I mean, they're doing pit. 300 people they're doing Steelers 200 people daily from that side so I think that's kind of unfair as well I wonder how many fans heard this this survey and went yeah yeah and then when they heard Mike Tomlin got an A said oh this is a bunch of crap (laughs) yeah they're conflicted right (laughs) which one is it now and then it's like of course because he wants to be their friend right um I don't know I mean I I mean I understand when the NFLPA doing this I mean just to put pressure on 
right. on some of the owners. But you look at that list, and you got some very high-ranking teams that are low on the list of a lot of things. You got a, a lot of, I mean, look at the Arizona Cardinals. They have a lot of money. They got big facilities, and they get like an F in facilities. I mean, I'd be more worried about that. I would be worried if the Steelers had a huge building to themselves and it was still garbage. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, like I said, you, you could probably walk into the facility and, and have a couple more Super Bowl trophies and a couple more pictures on the wall, but does that really matter? And you can't equate what these rankings turned out to into winning because Clark Hunt was one of the owners that was, uh, was ripped for not you know, upgrading their locker room facilities. Another thing is, uh, Jeff, I mean, a lot of these guys come from high-level colleges, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, where they have PlayStation 5s in their, each of their locker rooms and individual TVs and big you know, lounge chairs. You can't keep up with that in the NFL. They're coming from Georgia to here saying, what is this? <laughs> you have to That's take really into account, too. That's a really good point. Mark Cavalli from The Athletic is on the Fan Hotline, presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Mark, you're in Indy to cover the combine. I, it's, the, it's one of the few things that I have yet to do. What's you it like to cover anything. a combine? <laughs> and how has it changed? Well, it's changed a whole heck of a lot, just like anything else sports-related. I mean, media-related in the NFL. I mean, 10 years ago, I've probably been here 10 years now, I mean, back in 15, it would actually be in the Lucas Oil Stadium where they would have tables set up when players would just come sit there and you can talk to them. Now everybody gets a podium, everybody gets a TV, everybody gets a microphone. They parade them in, you know, every 10 minutes, very impersonal, very hard to do any sort of uh, stories about anything of substance because of that. I mean, you normally just come here a lot, at least I did, you know, because the, the GM talks. And obviously that's been pushed back here until tomorrow now. So um, it's changed a whole heck of a lot in the way the media. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of ancillary media here. And when I say ancillary, there's a lot of, you know, people that are saying, hey, uh, to a certain player, when you guys played Alabama last year and on third down, you went for it. What were, what were you thinking? Like, what are we doing here? Those guys are coached up very well what to say, too. So it's a lot different than what it used to be, just like how the Super Bowl was different in 1970 compared to 2024. And it's probably not going to change. It's probably going to get worse before it get better. Mark, so... so something to do, right? So, <laughs> I mean, you're getting to the point now, though, where you got players that don't go at all or they go and don't coaches do anything. And that, and that I was yeah. going to mention that too. You got a number of head coaches. Could this be, I mean, God forbid, because we know that everything the NFL touches becomes gold. Could this be one of the other things like the pro bowl that just is becoming obsolete because everybody's doing their own thing. And this is just not worth it anymore. I, mean, it's, I don't think it's worth it to the scouts. They do their job. Um, you know, they do their job during the season. Where it's beneficial to them is the 60 meetings they have with the players. And number two is what's very beneficial to them is the medicals. You get 
you get your doctor to look at all the guys you want and be able to um, evaluate players through that. Anything else you can get it on your, you know, you can get it off the internet, not off the internet, but they have services that provides all the workouts and all that type of stuff too. But as long as the medicals are still there and the in-person interviews are still there, I think it's viable, but the stuff on the, on the field is just TV show now. Mark Abali from The Athletic joining us here on 93.7 The Fan, 7.39 on a Wednesday night. Mark, uh, is there anything that you could say that you've learned before tomorrow when Omar Khan tells us exactly what he's going to do and how much he loves Justin <laughs> Fields? <laughs> I mean, I've been trying to tell people, whoever wants to listen, that it's going to be the Kenny Mason show. And that is the plan right now. I mean, Justin Fields, I mean, Russell Wilson, I know, is not not part of the plan. Justin Fields not part of the plan at all. Now, the question is, is they would love to have Mason back. The question is, if he decides to go somewhere else or finds a better place somewhere else, where do they go? Plan B there. But it's Kenny. It's Kenny one. And it's hopefully Mason two. But what, Omar can't say that tomorrow because you don't know what you don't know what Mason's going to do, right? So I should, I'm sure he'll hedge his bet on the, at least that situation of where they're going to go forward here. But it's always been the same. This is going to be Kenny's job to lose or win for the next year, like it or not. Justin Fields available or not, and they're just giving you Justin Fields. It doesn't really matter. This is the decision they're going to make, and that's just the way they're going to go about it. Is, and is, um, is that you have to look at it that way. Is it necessarily wrong? I mean, I made the argument earlier that I, I think the biggest thing, forget winning, forget the Super Bowl, forget any of that. The biggest thing that they need to do this coming year is what they should have done last year and figure out who their quarterback of the future is or if that quarterback is on their roster. I, I don't know. You can disagree with that, but uh, no. they, they need that. That's their number one goal before even winning a game is figuring out do they have the quarterback they can go forward with? Yeah, I mean, that's why they they took a chance last year when they brought Canada back, and I thought that was the biggest issue with bringing him back of losing a potential year of Kenny development on the way, and it turned out to be that way. Not even development, just to see what he can do. And if he has that ability to do that, you would be a year – moving forward if you had that but they need to find it out and the best case scenario would be you know Kenny Pickett being that guy I mean you're married to him for at least two more years right you'll be able to make a, a, a educated decision on it on him now now it's only down to one year but you have to find a quarterback I mean I'm not the one breaking news here saying if you don't have a quarterback you have a very very difficult chance of winning in the NFL and the Steelers really haven't had to worry about a quarterback for 18 of the last 20 years. So they were in, you know, they were pretty much set on that way right now. But, yeah, they have to find a quarterback. And if Kenny is getting paid $5 million this year to find out, that's pretty doggone cheap for uh, making that decision. So, yeah, they have to find out about him. And you have to have a fallback plan for this year just in case they're good. And I think they found out that Mason could be a good fallback plan, even if it is for a year or so. So I wouldn't be against having Kenny as one, Mason as two. If Kenny falters, let's go to Mason. I would be all for that. Are you worried? Of, would you, should you be or should fans or should the team be concerned of 
it being a split room that from the beginning of camp, if Mason Rudolph comes back, that there will be people that think Mason should start, forget us, but within that room. Uh, say what you really mean, Jeff. You mean the two wide receivers, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but but I say that because I'm sure there are others that may not and have been public. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. My thing is with this, and I've said it before, is, Sure, they love Mason because Mason made him look good last year. Mason threw him ball. They had big games, big yards. Deontay had five touchdowns. George Pickens had 158 yards receiving per game. If Kenny Pickett's able to produce that, guess what? They love Kenny Pickett. (laughs) The worst-case scenario is if both of them stink, (laughs) then you're in in a lot of trouble. If Kenny comes out and struggles right away and they stick with him, then you have an issue. So it would have to be a short leash to be able to yank it in the other direction to make those guys happy. But uh, as long as Kenny produces, I'd welcome him and love him. Well, I, I think you want an extreme. You either want Kenny to be really good or you want him to be so bad that you know that you have to get another. You have to find somebody else. The yeah. worst would be like a middling or, well, you know, if it wasn't for an injury here or one bad – then you go into yet another year where you're not quite sure. I mean, they've got to yeah. make that decision on them. Yeah, and I don't even know if a battle would even be it because all through camp you'd be like, well, I want this guy, I want this guy. I mean, maybe make it known without being known that Kenny's getting every opportunity in the world to be the, the number one guy and just trust me, I can we can pull the trigger here in the heartbeat and go with Mason if we need to, so – I mean, Kenny struggled last year. He struggled at stuff like, you know, getting out of the pocket too quick, his accuracy. They brought in a pretty doggone good quarterback coach that might be able to fix that. So that's one saving grace here. And they got a a, a coordinator that would take some pressure off of him with some of the running game. So you just have to take into account that maybe the new eyes with the new quarterback coach, new coordinator – will just help Kenny get over that hump of some of the things that he really struggled with last year. All right. There, here's some inside, uh, a little peek inside the curtain. I know we are are going to miss the fact that on Mondays when basically no one else would talk, <laughs> Mason Cole would show up in the room and normally be fairly honest, uh, or at least as honest as he could be with some of the answers he would give us. Were you surprised that they didn't at least – you know, finish out his the last year of his contract? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, obviously they didn't they didn't think he was going to be a part of the future here. That's number one. Number two is obviously they have a plan in place, free agency slash draft plan. And number three, they respected him enough to get him out in the free agency market a month earlier to, to allow him to go and try to find a job here. And that's why they did with – that's why they got rid of Harvard when they did. That's why they got rid of Chooks when they did. It was sort of, hey, guys, you're not going to be a part of this team. Let's give you every opportunity to go out there and get it. If it was me, you're putting yourself in a tough situation right now because what if the free agents aren't there? What if your centers in the draft aren't there? Then what do you do? Then, you put your, then you're wishing that Mason Cole was around so it's a little bit of a catch-22 there. Okay, you can upgrade, but what if you can't upgrade? Then you're in – I don't think Herbig's a guy. He's a guy that's had 
60 career center snaps and you're not moving James Daniel, who played very well at right guard, and is probably going to get a contract extension here before the season, and then move him to center. And that would seem crazy to me to move him from a position where he was good at to a position that he hasn't played at in six years. So they're taking a little bit of a chance, but obviously they have a plan in place. And we just don't know what that plan is right at this moment. Well, doing those guys a solid doesn't sound like something an F owner would do. <laughs> yeah, um, but he gave them some bigger lockers. But I, yeah. <laughs> you know how they can get some room, Jeff? Uh, get that logo off the floor so they can get some more walking room in there. there how about go. that one? I think, I think you're one? on to something there. Uh, who's the next one released? Who's the next veteran released? Ooh, see, Alan Robinson is an obvious one. But why wouldn't they give him an opportunity to go catch on with someone else right now? Which makes me think that they might be trying to but not a ten million. They they would no no no. They're trying to. I'm thinking they might try to get him to come back at a lesser price. That's why. Because I'm not. I mean, I mean, if you're going to get rid of Chooks at ten million, you're getting rid of Allen Robinson at ten million, right? So I think they might be. Uh, holding out, but hopefully he can come back at a much, much lower rate. Other than that, I don't know if there's any guys that are just jumping out saying cut. I know p- people are jumping on that Patrick Peterson bandwagon. I just find that hard to believe. I mean, he first of all, Tomlin loves him. Second of all, he's a veteran that they need, just a veteran leadership. And second, he could probably play five different positions, and they might even have safety in mind with him this year as well. And with this cap going up, what, 17 more million than they were expected? I don't see why it would hurt to keep him on uh, for for longer. So I would look at more restructures and maybe a Cam Hayward extension, you know, as, as the next moves here within the next two weeks. Although a few more podcasts, maybe uh, Peterson won't be welcome back. Yeah, he is kind of uh, verbalizing a little bit, huh? Oh, right. Um, we, we've seen over the last couple of years, Steelers have spent money in free agency. Uh, they did it on the offensive line. They did it resigning a couple of their own, including Ogan Joby. Um, we saw them basically purchase middle linebacker. You know, they purchased that position in the off season last year. Do you expect them to be fairly aggressive as free agency starts here in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think they're going to identify a position. It's tough. They could use cornerback, but that's cornerbacks. If you're getting a good one, first of all, uh, um, they're probably going to get tagged. Guy from KC and guy from Chicago, so that'd be difficult to be able to get. So you have to look at other positions there. Defensive line, um, inside linebacker. I mean, I'm just throwing this against the wall, but wouldn't Patrick Queen look good in the old Steelers uniform at inside oh, linebacker right about now? Now you don't. Mean, I mean, I have no inside knowledge at all other than that he's not coming back to Baltimore, you know. And he would fit nicely at probably, what, 17, 18 a year, which is very, what, $5 million more than Larry Ogunjobi, right? So it's not like it's out of the question. But, I mean, Omar showed us last year he's going to – they're not afraid to go out and find somebody. What? So they're going to find somebody. They're probably going to find a, a, you know, a slot receiver, a veteran guy. They're probably going to find it. They gotta find an inside linebacker because I don't think Holkins will be ready. So yeah, I think they'll be able to very similar to what they did last year. You know, 
the Peterson, the Sayamalu, and who else am I missing early on? Herbig. Herbig didn't get paid that much. So guys like that, yeah. Um, last one, Mark, and I appreciate your time. Mark Caboli from The Athletic from the Combine. Um, should we have high expectations from what we will hear from Omar as far as like things that people can grasp onto that are uh, revelation or shocking or tell us the true direction of where this team is going to go? Even if he doesn't, we'll grab something to run with, won't we? <laughs> I don't know. It depends if Pony's uh, uh, over his illness from today. So, Dude, he was in bad <laughs> shape. Like, I'm out in the newsroom, and he walks out. He's like, dude, I just I just threw up. Like, can you go in with Chris? And, I, and, and here's the thing, Mark. You can appreciate this, Mark. You know where Pony sits, right? In our studio. Oh, Starkey. Yes. Starkey. Oh, no. Same seat. And none of us have touched it. Like he's still logged in there. No oh, one has touched the no. chair he might or call the microphone. It's it's going to be the Jeff show tomorrow, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Start the game coming in. It's going to be the Zeiss show like, tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah, the Zeiss show. I mean, yeah. yeah, that'd be good. I forget what your original question was. Yeah, that but was it'll be Omar. something. It'll be. I mean, we're dying for information, right? in Pittsburgh about anything. So we'll parse every single word he can potentially say and come up with something and read into it. So um, obviously the quarterback's the number one issue right now or the thought going into this, and we can move on from there. Uh, let's hope that he he could put it to bed tomorrow saying Kenny's our guy and we're not interested in anybody else on the outside to come in and take his job. That would that would be something. Lisa would quiet things for a day until you tell everybody, say, well, Omar's crazy and why not? Because <laughs> Kenny stinks. But this is football town, man. We're going to grab something and run with it. Mark Caballi, check him out in The Athletic. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you joining right, us from Indy. All right, see you, Jeff. All right. Mark does a great job. Enjoy talking to him. Some interesting things. We'll discuss that when we continue. Uh, immediately be – when we continue, I want to tell you about a really cool event coming up on Tuesday, March 26th. And then next hour, we've also got some baseball talk. We'll check in with Bradenton and then basketball talk uh, along with your Steelers in the 9 o'clock hour as well. You're listening to a Wednesday night here on 93.7 The Fan. Jeff Hathorn, Charlie Borges with you. A reminder that Fan Twitter is brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net.